It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune covering the Bears down in Westfield, Indiana, the Colts. And the Bears crossover practices have begun, are in earnest underway. Dan, how much fun is it to cover practice away from Hallis Hall and to see the Bears hit bodies that aren't employed or teammates? Great change of pace, David. I'm uh, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in your home state of Indiana, not far from where the Bears are practicing against the Colts uh, at the Grand Park Sports Complex, which first and foremost is an impressive facility. That was my first time in there and to, to drive past 26 baseball diamonds on the way over to the, you know, whatever it is, 28 football slash soccer fields out there. And then they have those two uh, fields devoted to, to Bears Colts practices was, was cool. And then you get a night, David, where the energy – from the crowd, the energy from the nighttime start time, and then the energy from just two teams getting very, very excited about facing someone other than themselves was palpable. And it, it got the juices flowing. And it was it was just a night that I think everyone, reporters, players, coaches, every fans, everyone involved was like, okay, cool. This is a, a different change of pace at this time of the summer. So we'll get to the details in a second, but I think big picture, you, you describe what is the break of training camp because it breaks up the monotony. But I just wonder when you have two teams that are coming off of bad years, do you get a sense that you, you are you going to get a good sense of how good either team is? If you know what I mean? Because I think if the bears were going to chiefs camp, you might see, you know, a little bit difference in terms of depth and talent and a lot of things. Is it better or worse to have two teams that are maybe similarly matched and maybe similarly flawed. I like it 
at this stage for the Bears because I do think it's an accurate measuring stick. I think both these teams are are, are sort of on that six or seven win fence for the upcoming season. And so you, you, you feel like you're in a fair fight. You feel like you are in an even matchup. And then you just hope that as you go through some of these competitive periods in one-on-one and seven-on-seven and 11-on-11, that you wind up on the winning end more often than you don't, right? And then that tells you you, you should be matching up favorably with a team of this magnitude. It's, it's, uh, you know, look like the, the, I can't emphasize enough how much that competitive edge was there for the full two hours on Wednesday night. And, and look, we'll be back out there uh, as we record this here on, on Thursday, we have another couple hours before we're right back at it. And it should be two really, really good nights. I think for the coaching staff in the front office to get, to compile a lot of tape and answer a lot of questions and see a lot of situations that they were able to kind of pre-plan and script and, and design in that will tell them a lot more about the football team. As you and I talked about the other day, we're, we're, we're less than two weeks from putting together that initial 53 man roster. So another comparison question, are the differences or the similarities between Anthony Richardson and Justin Fields as stark as you would expect them to be? Is it is it too premature to ask that question after one practice? Do you see things that remind one, you know, that are reminiscent of each other because they have similar traits, similar, similar qualities, and certainly both are young franchise quarterbacks? I just wonder because – Justin Fields entering year three has the experience of being a starter. Anthony Richardson handed the keys early on. Just wonder what your point of comparison would be and how you would describe it. Yeah, so full disclosure, I can't give you a a comprehensive, well-informed opinion on that because they're practicing on adjacent fields, back-to-back. And so I spent most of my Wednesday night with the, the Bears offense, watching them go against the Colts defense. And and so the, the the Colts offense going against the Bears defense, my colleague Colleen Kane was able to give me some insight on that, talking to some Colts reporters. They were able to give me some insight on that. And then at the last, uh, probably about the last 35 minutes of practice, they were all on one field and doing some of the team stuff. What I saw from Anthony Richardson last night was confirmed by some of the Colts reporters and who said that this was one of his roughest outings of training camp to date. Uh, you just see a rookie trying to process what he's seeing, you know, in, in what, you know, week six of, of, of uh, his development on the field with his full team. And, and so it, it takes a little bit of time to get that feel, to, to understand what you're looking at, to, to react, to then not only react, but then make good throws where they need to go. So you're seeing a rookie quarterback who has all the physical gifts in the world, as, as we're well documented in the pre-draft process, now getting a really, really you know, sobering reality check on what NFL football is like at this level, even against an opponent, as we mentioned, that it isn't going to be a top tier opponent. Would like to get a little bit more look at that tonight. I can give you a better answer when we get to to our next episode. Um, but I think the comparison is there is that Justin at least is is in year three and you see a quarterback that's a little bit more in command of everything that's happening around him than Anthony Richardson here as a rookie, who has obviously been named the starter uh, and been given that that torch a little bit sooner than Justin was two years ago. Okay, let's focus on things we can know then, because I know that's kind of a hypothetical, conceptual question. So Nate Davis was in full pads. Demarcus Walker in full pads. Nate Davis did not participate as much as maybe one might expect. Still seems to be some... I don't want to say mystery surrounding his status, yeah. Dan, but you talk to people and know some people involved with the Titans organization. And I don't know that anybody or the people that I've talked to down in Tennessee are that surprised by what's happening. One chuckled and, and wasn't surprised at all. Are you able to, now that he is back on the practice field in the fold as you're around the team, any more light to shed on the future and what's going on with Nate Davis? 
you don't have to apologize for using the word mystery because this is a mystery and it will remain a mystery until it's not one. And it, it won't be one once Nate Davis puts together an entire week of practice where he's in pads and he's, he's completing an entire week of practice without having to take a practice off. And we haven't seen that since he became a bear, really. He, he participated in the mini camp in June and, and, and was able to, to make it through that week without any setbacks, but he voluntarily skipped the voluntary organized team activities in the spring, and then has been in and out for seven of the, the 14 training camp practices that we've had to this point. Um, so look like, I, I, again, this is an eye test and it's a, it's a attendance check here on Nate Davis. Like how many days in the week are you going to participate in a full practice? And until you have three, four, five, six, seven, or eight of those in a row, it's fair that everyone asks questions or until you tell us, Oh, Hey, we're managing a, injury to X body part. And this is how we're going to kind of, you know, manage it and, and control it. All questions are on the table and that, that's a decision the bears have made. And, and, and so the mystery is, is one that was self-created by the team and the player. And, and, and we, we are more than justified in calling it a mystery. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. How would you describe the offensive practice against the Colts or the portion or whatever you focused on? What was your biggest takeaway from the first crossover? Yeah, look, like I, I mentioned to you that the intensity right away was was elevated and you could feel it from the stands. I think the first uh, rep, I don't have the, the the Colts roster in front of me, but the first reps in one-on-ones was a Justin Fields pass to DJ Moore that was broken up. And there was like a, a an audible gasp as the ball was in the air and then a roar from the Colts fans when it was knocked to the ground. You know, and you're like, okay, here we are. This is This is live action where one team wins and one team loses, whereas opposed to Bears on Bears training camp, you know, somebody on the Bears always wins every rep. You know, it's like, oh, that was a good play by the defense. Oh, it was, you know, whatever. So you had that throughout the night. And I think that's a good environment for this offense to be in to, to kind of feel that a little bit and to be challenged and to lose a little bit and then to try to fight back from the losses and then to win a little bit and then to try to keep that success rolling. I mentioned to you on the Molly and Haw show uh, earlier Thursday morning that the most impressive part of practice for Justin Fields was a seven on seven period where he went boom, 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 six for six. And it was six for six in a very uh, command worthy, efficient, decisive way, you know, and this is against an opposing defense. Now look, seven on seven is seven on seven. You have no fear of a pass rush. There's very little to deter your vision. It should be just read it and rip it. And Justin read it and ripped it six straight reps, completion, 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 five different targets. And you're like, okay, that's what it's supposed to look like. Well, then you get into the team drills a little bit, uh, two interceptions, one of them, a, a ricochet off equanimous St. Brown's hands. And then one later in an 11, 11 period where Justin in a cluttered pocket 
just tried to do too much and and, and without a, a firm base underneath them, tried to heave one deep to Darnell Mooney, couldn't get enough on it. The safety who was in coverage there was able to react, kind of camp under it like a center fielder and, and make the interception. And as I told you, that's the type of mistake that if you're making that a month from now, Chicago is going to be on fire on Monday afternoon when everyone is talking or Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, as is your case, it, just reacting to the poor decision, right? And those poor decisions can't be consistent. They can't be regular. And so you're still kind of riding the roller coaster with this first unit offense where you see some really, really nice flashes and then some mistakes where you go, man, that's, that's going to be deadly when they start playing games that count. Well, here we are again, back to a place we have visited before, wondering about, for me, how wide the gap is between perception and reality. And I I think it's so cool that we have technology that allows us to have, you know, isolated situations at these practices where Justin Fields throws a dime and DJ Moore goes up and catches it with one hand and gets two feet in bounds and they slow it down and they put it to music. And all of a sudden, the football fan inside all of us is like, I can see him doing that against the Packers. I can see that happening in September. And then that is an indelible feeling and image in your memory. That's, that's perception. That's effective PR, if you will, propaganda even. And then I think that there's the other end of the spectrum where, you know, maybe during the two-minute drill, he didn't make too many good decisions and he's throwing the ball to the wrong guy and reading the wrong uh, defender and this and that. And it's still somewhat unpolished and sloppy. And I wonder how wide the gap is, Dan. And that's why, that's why when, you know, these preseason games are played, I do think that the bears would be wasting opportunities for him to grow if they don't play Justin Fields, at least, you know, a quarter and a half to two quarters, because I don't, I don't think that they've removed the, 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 I don't think they've earned the benefit of the doubt yet. And I think that these, these, these highlights from practices that get so kind of magnified leave sometimes a false impression. I'm not trying to puff our chest out here on this podcast, but you describe this very well here where, where sometimes it's unstoppable and sometimes it's unpolished, you know, and there's a lot of both here throughout the, the, the three weeks of training camp that we've been a part of. You, you see these plays that DJ Moore are making are real plays. These are real plays that are going to be incredibly valuable to Justin Fields in this offense when the regular season begins to be able to put a ball out there and watch your receiver go get it and go get it with one hand and then show the body control and the and the, the, the field awareness to get both feet down. You're like, that's that's beautiful. That's, that's stuff that that is going to make highlight reels when the regular season starts, they're going to be talking about it on Sunday countdown. And then you'll be talking about the next night on, on, uh, on Monday. And then there's these other plays where you're like, yeah, that's super unpolished. And it's why this bears offense is a bottom four offense. That's trying to become, you know, maybe a top 20 offense in 2023. If you set the bar, right, you should be able to see market progress and growth in the right direction. Um, you know, from now until the regular season and then in the first month of the regular season and then the second month of the regular season. The problem here, David, is everybody in the outside world seems to want to have a conclusion drawn and then basically find the evidence that supports their pre-drawn conclusion rather than letting this thing evolve and play out and unfold. And I, I think that's probably what bothers me more than anything is every time I come out to one of these things, they, they because of my job, they get, they hand me a lanyard that gives me access to watch these practices. And my job is to tell you everything that happens objectively, unvarnished, good, bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the, the everything in between. And so I think when, when, when you take that full 
picture view of it, you understand it's still bumpy and that all these things are true. There's good days, there's bad days, there's good periods, there's bad periods. And this Bears offense is just nowhere near this 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 machine and this juggernaut that social media would want you to believe because of the concocted and, and Hollywood style clips that you get to watch. Right. And we're pointing this out not to be uh, contrarians. And we're pointing this out not to just because you don't believe that Justin Fields can't become a, a bona fide NFL star or Pro Bowl quarterback. I think I'm pointing this out. You're pointing this out because it just underscores the need for patience and letting him develop because we have both seen, whether it's in Chicago or throughout the NFL, you know, noise can be a factor and it can be, it, it can create distractions and the weight of expectations can crush a, a quarterback, a running back, a, a defensive pass rusher, whatever the case is. And I would hate to see that happen to Justin Fields because what's happening to me is that that gap I talked about between perception and reality is creating some unrealistic expectations heading into year three. I still believe the passing game can be effective, but I also believe in the same breath, it's probably one of the top three weaknesses on this team. If you're looking at, you know, defending the run, rushing the passer, throwing the ball down the field. I mean, that's not a knock on Justin Fields. Doesn't mean he can't do it, but they haven't done it. And I'm a believer in experience. And I just think that there's a lot of room to grow and being patient is the best way to go. Doesn't mean he can't get there. It just might, it just means it might take a while. You know what else you're a believer in and what most of the NFL is a believer in is consistency, right? And consistency is going to be right. what separates the really good quarterbacks in this league from the guys that are oh so tantalizing, but always just a tease. I mean, Jay Cutler was was breathtaking at times during his Bears career, made throws and played games where you're like, that's it. That's why they traded all those picks away. That's why they felt like their their Super Bowl Express had a driver. And then you got you know, eight years into it. And you said, boy, that was a weird 500 existence. You know, we, we won as often as we lost and, and, and it just was what it was. And so uh, look like, I, I think you make a really valid point that if you're expecting a top tier offense in the first four or five weeks of this season, you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed. And that's up to you. Like every fan can make their own uh, judgments and, and expectations, how they see fit. And they can trust the eyes of whoever they want to trust during these months. And, and you can gravitate towards things you want to hear, or you can gravitate towards things that, that give you a fuller picture, you know, and, and challenge some of the things that you believe in. I think internally, one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast for more than a year now, Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus do a wonderful job inside that, that building of keeping everything grounded, everything in perspective, everything centered. And so I think internally the expectations are set exactly right. And now they've just got to kind of manage what they're, what they're reacting to inside the building with a lot of the noise and stuff that, that does become part of it. It does become part of their world once the regular season starts and all this stuff starts to amplify. They, they are the least or should be the least of anybody's worries. I really am impressed with the way they continue to be consistent with their approach and mindset and, and the way they're coaching these guys. And look, Dan, just, just before we move on from the quarterback conversation, it's just you're in Indianapolis. You're watching the Colts. And I think that this is a great reminder because what's happening with Anthony Richardson without you know being a Colts expert, what's happening with Anthony Richardson to me also just amplifies and accentuates the what's the problem in the NFL now. The the rule, the default almost has become draft the quarterback high, let him be the starter from day one, let him make mistakes along the way, where it really should be the opposite. It should be the Patrick Mahomes example. Sit a year, maybe gain some experience, get some seasoning, and then go into 
go into year two with a better chance. And maybe that is, you know, a redshirt year, if you will. We talked about that uh, in the last pod. We talked about whether or not, you know, the, in retrospect, could Justin Fields have benefited from either getting getting the, the starting job earlier his rookie year or not. But I, I just look at what the Colts are doing. They're setting themselves up for a boom or bust. And they're talking about, you're talking about unrealistic expectations. This kid in Indy is being praised as for his athletic traits, which are obvious, but I just don't know if you can expect a young man to make that transition so quickly. And I think that's just indicative of what we're talking about. We get so we're in such a hurry for these things to happen in the NFL that it does require patience that not everybody has. Well, right. And, and not everybody is ever going to have it. And, and like, I think you make a couple of really valid points there in terms of, uh, you know, just the, the, the crescendo of hype that, that seems to now build because they look like there are so many more conversations being had. There are so many more outlets for people to get a, a mass volume of information that, that, that floods them with either hope or dread or, 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 or beyond adrenalizing excitement. Right. On Thursday night on Football Night in Chicago, on NBC Sports Chicago, I am interviewing the author, Matt Lombardo, of FanBuzz.com, who has a top tw- top uh, quarterback rankings, 1 through 32, that has Justin Fields 7th. <laughs> okay. Justin Fields 7th. Now, I have a lot of respect for Matt Lombardo. I, I Just because he's a professional doing the work, I'm not that familiar with what he does. I'm looking forward to interviewing him. But, Dan, are you telling me? that Justin Fields is the seventh best quarterback in the NFL before he has started his third year. I I think this is in line with what you're talking about, this crescendo of hype. That's a great way to put it. That would be a name of a great band. The crescendo (laughs) of hype is what happens to every young quarterback in every NFL city desperate for him to succeed. So, so, yeah, the desperation is is kind of the driving force of a lot of this, and it certainly is in Chicago because every time that we reboot at the quarterback position, the the, the fan base in the city gets more desperate to find their forever guy, and then they crown him with with nicknames like H one M and 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 <laughs> allow him to to be coronated before he's passed the checkpoints that are that are there. You, to your previous point, like the Bears are going to run into a quarterback in week one, three and a half weeks from now, who will be a first year starter in Green Bay who will be in year four as a quarterback, right? And so you you now have this this situation with Jordan Love where you're going to see, this, does that behind-the-scenes seasoning allow you to be a little bit more grounded? Does it allow you to be a little more steady? Does it allow you to, to get over the bumps a little bit quicker than a, a first-year quarterback would, who has no experience as a backup or no experience as a starter? Uh, Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson, Jim Bob Cooter is the offensive coordinator here, and he's going to have to try to probably emulate a little bit of what Luke Getze did, which is spend a little bit of time in the early going of the regular season, seeing what your quarterback can do and what he can't do. And then we talked all last year about that mini buy adjustment that Luke Getze made. And I remember talking to Luke Getze at the end of the year in um, just trying to to gauge the value of what that was when they when they when they changed things up in October and they allowed Justin to use his gifts as a runner a little bit more readily and it just created a little bit of a success breakthrough and the success breakthrough created some calm for Justin and it created excitement in the fan base and it, it provided a little bit more of a cushion you know and some guardrails around some of the crashes that that went on you know uh, both before that that hot 
21 day surge that we talk about and after. And so like, you've got to, to, to manage that as an organization, you've got to manage that as a coaching staff. It's going to be interesting to see how the Colts do it. Um, you know, with the bears, like it's just fascinating to me that there are, that there's just so much out there to give you the hook, you know, and the bait and to bite on and, and believe that Justin is, is already a top 10 quarterback. You know, I did a piece around combine time where I talked to a bunch of NFL sources who gave the full book on Justin Fields. I read it last week just to see how much of it is held up. Read it again. There's a lot in there from people in the league that tell you this is breathtaking. This is a, a, a major concern area. And we've got to keep an eye on these things as his development goes on. Mike Sando, I keep hearkening back to the, the, the 50 source quarterback tears project he did these are people in the league 50 of them david more than four dozen that tell you who justin is and they tell you that he's the 21st best quarterback in the nfl right now you can ignore that that if you want if if you see a top 10 list from some guy that makes you feel drunk with excitement and has justin field seventh or eighth or sixth and and you say man i saw what he did for my fantasy team last year cool the rest of the league thinks he's a, 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 a the 21st best quarterback with a chance to maybe climb into the top dozen if all goes well in 2023. And that's not an insult. That's it's not. An it's evaluation. That's a, it's an evaluation. And you know what? They, the, these athletes can take it. They can take it better than the people that adore them sometimes. All right, let's turn through some of the roster things and also some of the practice details. Tell me about the trash talking. Who was the loudest bear <laughs> and how close did they come to fisticuffs? Look, the, the, this Bears secondary likes to talk. They like to talk now. Eddie Jackson has been one of the louder voices since camp began. Jaquan Brisker, who's not even practicing down here, is making himself heard. He is talking quite a bit. He's walking out into the field after uh, after, after team periods and letting the Colts know what they did wrong. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson has certainly joined that fraternity and is is more than uh, competitive enough to to let that edge out and and fearless enough to as a rookie to to play with that tenacity. That was a lot of it. I think the defensive backfields on both teams last night, David, were really chirping a lot. Uh, I think on Thursday night that might lead to some some uh, greater intensity and greater potential for some some uh, some melees. I, I you almost expect one every time two teams get together for a, a crossover practice. You almost expect one dust up to, to flare up and, and and see what you're testing on. But I loved it on Wednesday night because it just felt like uh, you know we 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 play months and months of this controlled environment football which doesn't allow guys to be violent and nasty and loud and aggressive. And, and on Wednesday night at the grand park sports complex, it was violent and nasty and aggressive and loud. And it was, it was a fun, fun environment. And I hope for more on Thursday as well. Did you get a glimpse of unique Ngakwe? Is he somebody that you think uh, makes an immediate impression? Anybody else on that defense have a good practice Demarcus Walker in action for the first time since August 1st. Yeah, very limited again for Demarcus Walker. I think they're going to be uh, careful to just make sure that he comes back from whatever injury he had and uh, gets his conditioning back where it needs to be before they turn him fully loose. Yannick Ngakwe still continues to do uh, kind of the, the slow build up to, to where where they'll let him free. I think they feel really strongly that at this stage of his career, he doesn't need a whole lot of this stuff in August to be ready for September, particularly at the position he plays. And so uh, it'll be a little bit here, a little bit there, and and, and they'll turn him loose. Um, look, I, I'll give you a name, Micah Baskerville, who made a leaping interception at the end of practice in the end zone in twos versus twos in a Colts two-minute drill. He had a couple interceptions in a practice a week ago at Hallis Hall, and it's just one of these guys who's it's just an undrafted rookie out of the SEC, played at LSU, has some of that pedigree, and, and it's just, you know, 
you look for guys at this time of year who keep convincing the coaches in the front office to, to take a longer look. He's going to get another opportunity in a, a game on, on Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. And every time you see a flash, you write it down in your notebook and say, make note of that flash. And this is the type of guy that could could stick at the very least, get a practice squad spot and be, be there when, when you need him. If this keeps up, the media is really going to hound Baskerville, I think. <laughs> um, so other than that, uh, on defense, I, I on offense, it sounds like Valus Jones had a pretty good practice, and I think he needed one. Certainly needs one. He certainly needs to have his own confidence high. He needs to have the, the confidence of his quarterbacks and his coaching staff and his special teams coordinator high. Uh, made a diving catch right away in one-on-ones from Justin Fields in the end zone. Made another one during a four-minute period at the end of practice, which is beautiful down the left sideline and was fired up after it. You know, another guy that was letting his emotions out and playing with that raw passion. It's good to see, but look, like the, the we, we've talked about this a hundred times now since last October when he started to have some of those yips catching punts. Phelous Jones needs to be a special teams weapon for you. And every time he loses your trust as a special teams weapon, his value to the team goes down. You got to earn it back little by little. Um, I think we all realize he's going to have a a minimal role as a receiver in this offense, and he better have his most impact for this team on on special teams as a return man. And you really can't test that stuff out uh, fully until you're under game conditions. And in game conditions, it's been really shaky uh, both last season and then obviously a week ago in the preseason opener. Roshan Johnson, more reps with the number one offense. Is that a sign of anything? They just want to get a good, long, hard look at him. Yeah. So look like this is another guy that you, you you want preseason game action. You want live tackling. You want to see what it looks like when people are trying to take him down and he's able to use some of his self-proclaimed violence. Like he likes contact. He likes running through contact. He likes having the opportunity to show off a, a, a skill set that has good vision good athleticism, and then just some of that toughness to break tackles. He's also been such a very willing blocker and a reliable blocker in terms of understanding his assignments. That's what this coaching staff has been drawn to even since the pre-draft process is having a guy that has this well-rounded skill set where he can be a, a weapon as a ball carrier. He can be a option for you as a pass catcher. He can get in there uh, as a blocker and, and, and help the rest of your passing game flow. So the more extended time you have to take a look at Roshan Johnson running with the ones, the better you feel about your future because this is a draft pick who has a chance to make Deontay Foreman irrelevant, Khalil Herbert irrelevant at some point, you know? And so um, we'll see which direction it heads, but certainly the bears have seen enough to start giving them a little bit more of those looks. And then again, like you want to go into Saturday night with the the lights on and the stage a little better, a little bigger uh, and see what Roshan does with opportunity. Number two, had some uh, nice runs against the Titans in week one. And I think he's looking forward to, to more opportunities just like that. How do tight ends look and when will the big dog bark? I will tell you this, the big dog's always barking. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers' favorite team at Mercedes Lewis is he's out there. That that dude's big now. Like his nickname is not uh just a joke. That is a big dude out there. The he puppy. runs around. <laughs> he's not he's not a little puppy at, at all. Uh Robert Tunyon, nice touchdown catch at the end of a uh I think it was the four minute situation last night from PJ Walker. Uh, really nice play in the end zone. I, I think Cole Komet is is just so well-rounded. I mean, you, you know how the Take the North podcast feels about Cole Komet at this point. And, and I, I enjoyed talking to Cole after the practice on Wednesday because he was one of those guys who genuinely seemed to enjoy the entirety of the night from just the ambiance to the, the competitive spirit. And then said, look like, you know, you'd look up in the, the stands and there were Bears fans cheering for you. And then you'd walk down and you see Colts fans 
who had ND gear on cheering for you as well. And so Cole felt a little bit of a homecoming coming back to Indiana and, and, and feeling loved by just about everybody. Back home again in Indiana. I can almost hear the tune in my head. All right. So before we wrap this up, I, That's your I, I ringtone, asked, isn't it? That's your ringtone. It's my ringtone. Yeah, exactly. Right on my phone right here. So I asked Dave once said this question uh, on, on both radio and TV. And, and, and I, I wonder this when, when coaches at this stage, it's, it's still mid August, but when they get together and they see them compete against other teams and you get a sense after training camp is concluded, do you think the Bears know? or sense or think they know what kind of football team they have? Do you think they are excited because, like last year this time, they probably knew they were going to struggle? I wonder if this year at this time, 365 days later, give or take a couple, that they believe they're going to be something more physical, more athletic, more competitive, whatever it is. What do you think the Bears think they have as a coaching staff when they look at what's going on at training camp? So this is a great question, and I'll answer it by kind of evoking the words of Alan Williams from Wednesday night, who was asked sort of directly, do you have a feel right now for the kind of defense that you have coming together? And in, in Alan Williams' form, he kind of sidestepped the question, and you're like, okay, here's a coach sidestepping a, a, another question that should have a direct answer. But then he, he, he kind of elaborated on it and said, look, like we've got too many defensive players that have been missing time. You know, Brisker's out. Jermaine Edmonds is out. These are two guys that you expect to be a huge part of your defense. Demarcus Walker's been gone for a while. They didn't have Unique Ngakwe two weeks ago. And so his point was, like, I still am waiting Waiting to see the gel and and I want the the, the full gel to, to be able to make a judgment on what kind of team we have and I would apply that to the offensive side of the ball as well because um, at full strength I think they have a premonition of the kind of competitive you know first unit they have on both sides of the ball but when you're missing key pieces on both sides of the ball then you have to scratch your head a little bit and go oh man like how much do we trust our depth how much do we trust our our, our safety depth our, our linebacker depth our, our front four depth how much do we trust the depth on the offensive line if Nate Davis is going to be in and out all year and, and and so I think there is a little bit of that that guessing game that they would like to get a better answer from obviously you're going to have an opportunity Thursday night you're going to have an opportunity Saturday you're going to have another week and then basically you're you're into the regular season. Um, I think the 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 hopeful side of the Bears coaching staff sees a team that 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 is more talented, is deeper, has an opportunity to to go win more games than they had an opportunity to win a year ago. But this league is weird, and and there are there are potholes and landmines all over the place. And and when you're kind of stepping through that minefield, you 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 don't want to be like aha, we've made it, and then you step on a mine and you haven't made it. And so we'll we'll see where it goes. But I like I think they're hopeful, but I don't think they've seen a team practice or play at full strength yet. And so it leaves you guessing. And likewise, there are hidden opportunities along the way that you can also take advantage of in every NFL season. And the fun part is that those both paths look open this year, whereas last year, I don't think anybody could convince, you know, reasonable football people that the Bears are going to do anything but struggle. So that's interesting and something to keep an eye on. Last thing, Dan, I know you like your Cole Komets and you have your favorites. <laughs> and I thought of that the other night when I saw Robbie Gold throwing out the first pitch at Wrigley Field, Cubs versus White Sox. There's Robbie and his kids singing the seventh inning stretch. Love having him back in town. Would like to have him on, on the score. He's welcome on any show, any time. Why is he not in an NFL training camp? Where is Robbie Gold going to spend the fall? 
I have no idea. First time for Robbie at Wrigley Field uh, getting to throw out the first pitch and sing the stretch. Oh, no, wait. It's an uh, annual occurrence. I get the texts every year. He does it from our good friend Zach Zaidman, who loves loves to see Robbie in the yeah. building. And, and so that, that one popped through the other night. And it was like, oh, Robbie's back at Wrigley. getting. Robbie's got a parking spot. At Clark <laughs> I think he might. I don't know. I don't know where, where he's headed. You know, I know, like, he has some decisions to make. I know that he has um, talked about the the want to be closer to home, to to not miss as much of his uh, son's world as, as you start to as they get older and, and you're away a lot. Uh, I can I can understand that you, you would figure somewhere along the line someone's going to run into some kicking issues and give him a call, and then he's got the opportunity to be selective and figure out what he wants to accept and what he doesn't. Um, certainly, a guy who showed last year that he still got it and he still got it in the clutch and. Uh, you know, teams would would be wise to have them on the roster if they're they're in desperate need of a kicker. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, um, and and Robbie will have to make decisions as he goes. It's it's definitely a good question, and and yeah, uh, we'll see if uh, if Robbie will ever come. Yeah, well, let's get him on the podcast. Let's get him on the pod. I think that's a good goal for the next couple of weeks before the season starts, maybe. And he's in a different area code, so we'll keep an eye on Robbie Gold's feature, and we'll keep an eye on the Bears and Colts and the crossover and Saturday night's game, and anything that happens, we'll be here for Take the North. Anything else, Dan, before we get out of here? Yeah, two last things. I was able to have lunch here today with good friend Rich Campbell in Carmel, Indiana, so that was good to see Rich. And one of the things we talked about, because he had a lot of questions about the state of the Bears, was how the September schedule sets up. You know, and you've got Packers, Bucks, Chiefs, and I think when by the time we leave Arrowhead on that Sunday night in late September – to the conversation that you and I were having earlier about Justin Fields in the offense. I think that's a pretty good three game test against three very different defensive approaches and, and three, you know, they may have to play a a pinball game in Kansas city to keep up with the chiefs. And and so those will be three opportunities to really see where this goes. Uh, I think rich still has that bears curiosity percolating uh, percolating through him. As we went through that schedule, I I thought, David, yeah, this is going to be great. I think we're going to know a lot of the questions that you and I have been kind of volleying back and forth, like a tennis rally here. When we get to October 1st, we're going to go, ha, it's a lot more clear now on where they are and where they still need to go. That's great. Give Rich my best. It's great that he's still following everything down there. We got and, a Friday uh, morning tea time, so uh, the day off tomorrow. Rich well, that's shocking to me. That's really, swing it, yeah. that, that, that's really surprising. That's out of character for you to be on a golf course when you have a few hours free. <laughs> All right, so we'll wrap things up here. We'll be back when the news happens and with updates as they warrant. We appreciate you joining us on the Take the North podcast. You can get it on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on the 670 Score YouTube page. Fred Epstadzinski, our ace producer for Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. I'm David Haw from the Mullion Haw Show. We'll talk to you next time on Take the North. Great talk. See you out there.